0: Welcome to the Bucket List Project Podcast, a weekly show that talks about stories from a pursuit of nomadic lifestyle around the world, interviews with interesting people who I have met in this journey, and a generous dose of thought-provoking conversations around travel as a lifestyle choice. If you love to listen on topics revolving around travel, then this will be a perfect companion for the ride to office, your morning jog, or in general, when you are winding down for the day. Uh, We have new episodes releasing every Friday. So do share and subscribe to our podcast and get your weekly share of travel inspiration. In 1831, a young naturalist named Charles Darwin set sail on the HMS Beagle for a five-year voyage around the world. Darwin was fascinated by the natural world and he was eager to collect and observe as many plants and animal species as possible. Uh, one of the most important places that he visited was the Galapagos Islands, a group of volcanic islands located off the coast of South America. The Galapagos is home to a wide variety of unique plants and animals, both on land as well as in water many of which are found nowhere else on the earth. Darwin was particularly interested in the finches of the Galapagos Islands. He noticed that the finches on each of the islands had slightly different beaks, which were adapted to the different types of food available in each of these islands. For example, uh, finches with long thin beaks were better at eating nectars from flowers, whereas finches with short stout beaks were better at eating seeds. He realized that these finches were all descending from a common ancestor, but they had evolved over a period of time to adapt to the different environments on each of these islands. This observation led him to believe his theory of evolution by natural selection. However, he did not publish this theory of evolution until 1859 which is almost 30 years after he returned from his voyage on the Beagle. There were several reasons for this delay. First, Darwin was a very cautious scientist. He wanted to be sure that his theory was well supported by evidence before he published it. Second, he knew that his theory would be controversial. At that time, most people believed that God had created all living things in their current form and his Theory challenged this entire belief and suggested that living things had changed over time through natural selection. And finally, he was also personally struggling with the implications of his own theory. He was a devout Christian and he worried that his theory would undermine his faith in God. But eventually, he published this theory, keeping faith in his learnings and observations. And we are so thankful that this work eventually had profound impact on the way people thought about natural world. It challenged the traditional belief that God had created all living things in the current form. And it suggested that living things had changed over time through natural selection. You know, evolution is a fact in today's world. And it is important to understand how it works in order to appreciate the diversity of life on earth been curious to look at this world for both its known and unknown things that it has to offer. Uh, My love for water has blessed me in opening up a new chapter altogether in this regard. You know imagine a world where the creatures of the deep look like they came straight out of a science fiction movie and that's the world of Lembe Strait a marine biodiversity hotspot In Indonesia that I recently visited. I spent a lot of time at this mecca of macro diving and for the benefit of our listeners macro diving is uh, a type of uh, scuba diving where you specifically dive in order to explore the tiny little creatures of the ocean. What I experienced was deeply meditative and at the same time it teleported me to an alien world which would have astounded even darwin with its evolution i am srinath shankar your host a paris scuba diving instructor co-founder of pika india's fastest growing leisure travel brand a digital nomad and a slow travel proponent today's topic of podcast is my alien encounters in the lembe strait in this episode Uh, As the topic suggests, I will talk about the up close and personal encounters I had with some unique creatures, their unique features, how they survive in this challenging environment and what they can teach us about evolution and biodiversity. This dive expedition was also a very challenging one from a skill perspective. You know, uh, Lembe Strait is known for its mug diving, which involves searching for small and cryptic creatures on the bottom of the sea. This requires precise buoyancy control so that you can hover in a place without disturbing the fine black lava sand and sediments, and also in order to get very close to these creatures without disturbing them. It requires great breathing technique, understanding of your deco limits and nitrox generally is recommended as you would want to spend as as much time as possible at the bottom. I also had to read up a lot on my knowledge of marine life because what I was going to see over there was something that I've never seen before and they are very endemic to that region as well. Um, some of these species were my first ever encounter and uh, I had to understand how to peacefully observe them in their environment without the risk of disturbing them or getting poisoned and killed because some of these are very very poisonous creatures. Reaching here itself was a very long journey from my home base Lombok. I had to take two flights Uh, which was a total journey time of about 5 hours to reach a place called as Manado, which is in North Sulawesi. And from there, it is another 2 hours road journey to reach the Lembe region. This strait is 16 kilometers long and only 1.2 kilometers wide. Yet, in these narrow waters, no no less than 88 diving sites can be discovered. I had planned about five dives including a night dive to give me the best chance of seeing these magnificent creatures that a lot of people have been raving about. Um, In this episode uh, I want to talk about very specifically five encounters which has made me a total fan of all things macro. You know while sharks, whales, dolphins, rays these are all the superstars of the ocean The joy of observing these tiny little alien creatures is something truly special. So, shall we get started? Alright. The first on this list was something called as the Mandarin Fish. It is a creature so exquisite, so otherworldly, that it seems to have been plucked straight from the pages of a fantasy novel. With its glowing scales that shine like jewels, in the sunlight, its graceful fins that dance like ribbons in the water and its enchanting courtship ritual, the mandarin fish is a truly magical creature. It is also a creature of great intelligence and cunning. It's a master of disguise, able to blend in with its surroundings seamlessly and it is also a skillful hunter. Using its sharp senses and lightning-fast reflexes, it can catch its prey and stun it also. The most remarkable thing that I kind of observed about these mandarin fish was its courtship ritual. You know, during the mating season, the male mandarin fish will perform a series of elaborate dances and displays to attract the attention of a female. He will spread his fins wide, revealing in its full glory and he will swim in intricate patterns weaving and bobbing through the water. If a female is impressed, she will join the dance and the two fish will swim together in a mesmerizing ballet. The mandarin fish is not just a fish, it is a vision. It is a glimpse into another world for me, a world of pure beauty and magic. And it makes me believe in the impossible that this world has to offer. Next up was the Blue Ring Octopus. Let me first help you visualize its size. They are relatively small creatures uh, with an average mantle length of about 4 to 6 centimeters and a total arm span of maybe 7 to 10 centimeters So, you know, it'll fit in your palm literally. But don't let the size fool you. It is so venomous that it could make the devil himself blush. It's said that its poison can kill an adult human in just few minutes. Their venom contains a tetradotoxin. I got it right, hopefully. A powerful neurotoxin that can cause paralysis and respiratory arrest in humans instantly. There is no anti-venom for the blue ring octopus venom and so any bite from these creatures will be 100% fatal. Knowing all of this context and then going searching for them was extremely exhilarating for me. Uh, In our dive, we were so lucky to see one of these. Um, And this octopus is very clearly characterized by its yellow or cream colored body with bright blue rings scattered over the dorsal surface, which is the mantle and the arms. The rings are typically small, uh, but uh, because as we were approaching uh, closer to it and they are very shy creatures. These blue rings can enlarge and become more prominent when they feel threatened. It is also a great master of disguise. You know, we had to struggle a lot to find these tiny little octopus. You know, it can change its color, it can texture, uh, can be changed to blend in with its surroundings, making it nearly invisible to its prey. But thankfully my guide he is so skilled in spotting them that uh, we, in a matter of minutes, we were able to find and spot our first blue ring octopus. Um, I'm also thankful, given their shy nature, they do not attack humans unless they feel extremely threatened. So, it is important to, you know, kind of uh, let in the listeners that whenever you're diving and you're in going in search of a blue ring octopus, be extremely aware and respectful for these dangerous creatures and their surroundings. If you let them be, they will allow you to observe them and showcase their entire magic in front of your eyes. And boy, was I mesmerized by this little creature. Coming up next is the ghost pipefish. It is a true legend in the scuba diving world and a lot of people die to see this in their lifetime. It's a beautiful and mystical creature. Um, You know, they have elongated slender fish with a pipe-shaped snout. Their bodies are covered in bony plates and they have two dorsal fins a pectoral fin on each side of the head and a pelvic fin they typically range in the size of 2 to 15 centimeter uh, in length so finding them first of all is a treasure hunt and doing it doing it in during a mug type is literally a big treasure hunt that you have to be extremely skilled as I said our guide was very, very skilled and I had told him that I wanted to see this, so please make it happen. So, uh, in our dive, I was lucky enough to see one ghostpipe fish, which was, you know, leafy or weedy in appearance uh, due to the leafy appendages that cover its body. Uh, this also helps it to camouflage themselves among the coral leaves and seagrass bed wherever they live they come in a uh, variety of colors but the one that I saw was green in color uh, and its skin was blending perfectly with the reef uh, which is the surrounding environment making them very difficult to spot um, I was told one of the most interesting behavioral trait of a ghost pipefish is a courtship ritual during the mating season the male ghost pipe fish will build a nest out of seaweed and other debris. He will then attract a female to the nest by performing a series of elaborate dances and displays just like the mandarin fish that I mentioned before. If the female is impressed, she will lay her eggs in the nest and the male will guard them until they hatch. Their mystery and allure makes them the prime subject for underwater photographers and videographers and in our dive everybody was surrounding it like a paparazzi and clicking away to glory it was a guaranteed goosebump moment for me watching them in person next up is um, actually one of my favorites that i spotted over here which was the flamboyant cuttlefish A dazzling dancer of the deep. They are small to medium sized uh, cephalopods uh, from the octopus uh, family uh, with an elongated oval shaped body. They have roughly about 8 arms and 2 tentacles which uh, they use for swimming, hunting and communication. Their size again is very very small probably like 6 to 8 centimeters in length. But what they are known for is something different altogether. They have vibrant colors and striking patterns. Their skin can change color and texture in real time, just like the uh, blue ring octopus, um, and the texture to match the surroundings of their environment. They are often seen with bold display of red, orange, yellow, yellow, and white just like a electronic billboard they also have a pair of large expressive eyes uh, that can put any beauty pageant out there for to shame actually such beautiful expressive eyes i have never seen anywhere else in the marine world another interesting fact about them is that they are considered to be among the most intelligent invertebrates known to science Uh, My guide was explaining to me that their large brain to body ratio uh, is capable of very, very complex behavior such as problem solving, learning and memory. Uh, He was telling me from his experience uh, that these um, flamboyant cuttlefish can navigate any maze uh, once and many more times like a human would do. They also are known to use tools like rocks uh, to crack open a shell and access the food inside. And he was telling me that their memory is so unmatched, they can jog back as far as a month in the past where they encountered the last predator, source of food, etc. So I was uh, fascinated by just the thought that, you know, probably this cuttlefish that I saw would remember me as one large blob of flesh floating around, curiously looking at him. I I, I just could not take my eyes off them and I count my blessings for the special encounter I had with this flamboyant cuttlefish. Finally, on this list is my most favorite octopus, the mimic octopus. Again, a cephalopod, which is highly intelligent and capable of mimicking the appearance and behavior of a variety of marine creatures. They do it for fun, you know. They are small to medium-sized octopuses with an oval-shaped body. Um, They again have eight arms, two tentacles like any of the typical octopuses Uh, uh, and Typically they are between 7 to 15 meters, so let's say for example maximum maybe uh, half a feet that's how long they are. They have the texture is light brown or beige uh, in terms of their base color but that's not important. They can change their color and texture at a snap of a finger. The one that we saw Uh, It was mimicking the appearance of a flatfish or uh, basically uh, because it felt threatened uh, what it exactly did was uh, you know kind of bury itself in the uh, sand with its just its eyes popping up like how a flatfish would do. And very easily you can you know kind of miss it or you will not even realize that it's a mimic octopus because it's a it's taken a shape of a different fish altogether. Um, and uh, its ability to change is truly truly amazing. I saw it mimic at least two or three shapes during our dive and uh, I was just extraordinarily blown away by the evolution this creature must have gone through in so many years to have such a brilliant capability. It allows it to effectively hunt and it allows it to stay safe of its predators. Interesting no? Um, the, you know, that, that these five five creatures, um, you know, the ghost pipefish, the mandarin fish, uh, the uh, blue ring octopus, um, the uh, mimic cuttlefish uh, or the mimic octopus or the um, uh, cuttlefish uh, is the flamboyant cuttlefish actually, uh, not the mimic cut, uh, uh, cuttlefish. All of these five encounters is something very, very special for me because Though they are very small in nature or in size, observing them up close and personal made me a huge, huge fan uh, of this entire set of creatures that I got to see. With this, this podcast comes to an end. And an experience like this is what makes my bucket list project a worthwhile expedition altogether. I feel a sense of gratitude for having this opportunity to witness the true glory of nature. It also makes me feel like a tiny speck in the nature's game of evolution. I would highly recommend you guys Googling these names and relive the podcast through the images and the videos of these amazing creatures. Unfortunately, I did not have macro lens or advanced cameras to shoot these tiny little creatures. But their images are stoned for, stored for eternity in my brain and I will always remember them as if I saw them just yesterday. Um, having said all of this, I also witnessed alarmingly high degree of oceanic waste in the seabeds of this Limpe Strait. Plastic bottles, single-use uh, plastic, debris, were all strewn strewn all around and it was unfortunate to see it invading the homes of these beautiful little creatures. I'm told that, uh, you know, Lembe Strait is not what it used to be in the past because of this uh, increasing marine debris. And I fear if the future generation of divers will ever have a chance to witness what I could see. If you could ever do your bit. Start with small habits of saying no to single use plastic and being responsible with your waste disposal especially around water bodies. I know this is a larger problem requiring massive changes but our micro behavior makes it one plastic cover lesser in the ocean at a time. With this we wrap up the current episode of the bucket list project. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and my experience in Lembe Strait with the alien creatures. Did it inspire you or kindle your interest in diving? I sincerely hope so, so that you can also witness what I witnessed and feel ecstatic. Um, If you like what you listen to, then do subscribe to our podcast, which is available both in Spotify and Apple. So I'll see you next week and until then, have a great time.